Well, good morning again. It is great to have you worshiping with us here at Faith Bible Church. Excited to be here. Uh, I'm going to be switching gears. For those of you that might not know, I was uh, up early this morning and did a sermon out on the lake uh, and really enjoyed that. I uh, pray that that might be an opportunity in the next couple of years to continue to do. Um, so that's why I'm in shorts, if that's okay. Um, I hope that you guys are fine. I do see, I won't, I won't point anybody out if they want to identify themselves, I see one individual who was with us uh, out on the lake and with us this morning as well. So I'm um, excited to have that individual here um, and want to just say if you have an opportunity uh, in the next year or so, if they do it again, we had a wonderful time out just praising God out on the waters of Lake Panorama. This morning here, we are moving in our series about 10 attributes of God. And this morning we are talking about God who is unchanging. And to do that, I want to take a moment, and I'm going to date myself with this. Some of you might have this resonate in your hearts, but next weekend, no, we are not going to be going. We've just had a very busy season, but I will be entering into my, and I kind of cringe when I hear this, 30th class high school reunion. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Are you guys awake? Oh, right. Yeah, that's starting to date me. Uh, and I won't tell you how old I am now. But the reason that I'm bringing this up is, is I remember actually going to my 20th high school reunion, which was 10 years ago. And there were a few observations that I made. First and foremost, uh, it had been a while since I had been back to my alma mater, Boulder High School, or Boulder, Colorado. And as I was traveling to Boulder, the first thing that I noticed was, holy cow, has this place changed? I remember growing up that Boulder was essentially a distinct part of a town, and then you would go, and there was Greeley and Fort Collins, and then you would leave Boulder, and they had this thing called the Green Belt. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Boulder, but I thought that they were crazy. I'm like, why do we need a Green Belt? And what it was, was city developers over the time recognized that most likely Boulder would grow to a certain spot and like Louisville and the other areas would go to a certain spot. And if they didn't do anything, the next thing you know, it would all just clump together. And so growing up, and again, I'm going to date myself, in the 80s, uh, this green belt was something that didn't make any sense. And sure enough, as I drove in, the first thing that I remember was, if you were to drive in off of Interstate 25 back when I lived in Boulder, it was like forever and a day after you had left Interstate 25 to get to Boulder. We lived essentially on the eastern edge in a uh, subdivision called Gun Barrel, and that essentially was right on the brink of what I would call the edge of the world. And so if you had just had a few blocks east, it was cornfields, and then nothing, right? And as I got off, the city had grown all the way out to I-25. Now, the other thing that I'll tell you is, is as we were at the reunion, and you could probably summarize this, you would go and you would see individuals, and it was either one of two things. Wow, you've changed. Or, wow, you have changed, right? Why am I bringing this up? The fact of the matter is, is our world is one of change. One of the things that we realize and recognize that what is constant is change occurs. We're programmed for change. How many of you are con uh, lived in a home and it stayed exactly the same as it was 30 years ago? We're remodeling, we're redoing, we're repainting, Maybe we're redoing the kitchen. Maybe we're adding on. Maybe we're trying to keep up with the times. Another thing that I want to ask you is this. How many of you have gone and seen someone that maybe you had a really good relationship with before, and maybe years have gone by, and you sit down with them, and you recognize that maybe you don't have as much in common as you once thought you did? Or to the positive, maybe you sit down with someone who was your arch enemy in high school, and you begin to realize that you really do have things in common. The point that I'm making is, is that change is part of our world. But let's talk about some of the harder things of change. 
How many of you have ever experienced a time in your life where something that you relied on, something that you depended on, something that you trusted in changed? Maybe it was your health. Maybe you were someone who was very conscientious of your health. Maybe you did everything you could to eat right, exercise, do all of the right things. And the next thing you know, you receive a change in diagnosis and you've come to discover that you maybe have a debilitating illness or perhaps an illness that might be terminal. Maybe some of you have worked hard and you've done everything you can in your business and everything was going very well Things were working completely fine, and the next thing you know, to no fault of your own, COVID happened, and things changed. Maybe some of you have reared a child, loved them, him or her, cared for them, watched them grow, sent them away to only have them come home and turn on you and say, I don't love you anymore. Maybe some of you have placed your faith and trust in a lifelong partner that you're excited for, that you're looking to, you've given a vow to them, and you're excited about moving forward in life with them, only to hear after a few short years, I've changed. I don't love you anymore. The fact of the matter is, is change at times can be good, but change also at times can be gut-wrenching. And so one of the things that's important for us to recognize is that while change is constant, it can also really begin to confuse us about how we view God. How many of you recognize that who we have in God is essentially a God who does not change? Now we can say it, we can hear it, but the world around us is constantly changing. And so in that, it's hard for us to fathom that we worship a God who does not change. But why might that be important? Why might that be important to us as we worship Him? How many of you would want to place your faith and trust in a God to essentially put your entire being in someone, trusting that essentially Christ died on the cross to forgive us of our sins so that we might have eternal life? And you say, you know what, I'm going to trust in Jesus and I'm going to put or turn my life to Him. And you hear essentially that you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And when you do, you're now a believer in Jesus, and you've inherited the kingdom of God. Your destiny is one for eternity. Only to then, like the world, get to heaven and see Jesus and have Jesus turn to you and say, you know what? Hey, here's the deal. Things change. I've decided that that's really not what I am. That's not what it's all about. Now, it sounds ludicrous, right? We kind of look at that and we say, well, that can't happen. But I want to ask you reality in your life. When you've gone through something hard, when you have noticed change, whether intentionally by you or unintentionally by the world, can you rest on the fact that even though the world around you changes, the God whom we worship does not that's what we're going to speak to this morning. That's what we're going to discover as we look at the idea or the aspect of the immutability of God. Immutability, it's just a fancy word essentially to say that God does not change. But here's what I want to ask. The question that I want to throw out to us this morning is this. How can I trust that God does not change? We hear it. We see it. But the world around us is constantly changing. And so that can cause us, essentially, to get a view of God that maybe He does change. Now, maybe, maybe, salvation doesn't change. But how many of you at times have wondered if God's love for you changes? You know, things are going really well. God must love me. I'm blessed. Life is going awesome. I've gotten what I want, how I want, where I want, and when I need it. And so God must love me. And the next thing you know, something occurs in your life, and it gets hard, and you say, God, have you changed or has your affection toward me changed? Do you see how important it is to recognize that God does not change? So the first thing that I want to show you, and I think that we've summarized this very well, is this. Things change. Let's just, let's just get real. Family, friends, relationships, jobs, homes, etc. They change. In fact, there's the adage, what? One thing that's constant in this world is change. 
we know it happens. And so what we have to realize is, is okay, let's embrace this. Let's recognize that things in this temporal world change. Friendships change. Lives change. People change. Situations change. How many of you recognize that several years ago it was bad? It was bad to eat eggs with yolks. And then all of a sudden they come around and they say, wait, wait, wait a minute. No, no, no. Actually, it's kind of good to eat eggs, but not yolks. And now they're saying, oh, wait, no, no, it's not good to eat eggs at all, but you can eat meat. Things change. But what I want to encourage you in is, is we need to look to a God who does not. And that's one of the things that I think is important for us to see. Because things change, it is hard for us to rely upon or trust in something that does not change. We almost expect things to change. We almost want things to change, don't we? I want to let you know that probably the one thing in this life that I might argue, and I'm not being a heretic, this is actually intended to be funny, that may not change is my grandparents' house. How many of you have grandparents and you would go to their house and you would see them maybe every so often and you look and their house never changes? Like the candy jar is always in the right spot at the right place. You look over and the decoration that they have over here never leaves. And you're looking at it and you're like, okay, there is one constant in this world. And then they're gone. And so while the house might not have changed, you being there has. Things change, don't they? But what I want to tell you this morning is, in a world that's filled with change, in a world in which nothing is constant, we can worship a God who does not change. Hebrews 13.8 is what I want to read to you this morning. I want to just talk about this. We're going to take a look at a couple of passages in Scripture. But this is what it says about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't miss this. Because not only is it speaking to the eternality of Jesus, but what it's speaking about is the fact that Jesus doesn't change. He's not going to be a president on a certain political platform for a period of time, and when that platform is no longer popular with society, change his platform so that he can be reelected. He does not change. He is who he is. He is the great I am. He is the forever and always. And that should bring peace and rest to our hearts. One of the things that I'd like to show you is this. Charles Haddon Spurgeon talks about this in I Am the Lord, I Change Not. This is what he says. He says, it is well for us, meaning believers, amidst the variableness of life, there is one whom change cannot affect. One whose heart can never alter. And one whose brow mutability can make no furrows. Think through this for a minute. How many of us are worried that at one point in our lives we might do something after we've placed our faith and trust in Jesus that will cause him to no longer love us? How many of us wonder if we're going to get to heaven at some point and have God say, you know what, this is what I used to say, but I've changed. God does not change. And that can bring us to a point of awe and worship and reverence, recognizing that we have something in this crazy world amidst all of the tumultuous times, amidst all of the uncertainties that we are experiencing, amongst all of the unknowns that we see before us, there is one thing that is known, and that is God. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and a God who does not change. There's no smoke and mirrors, there's no shifting shadows, there's not someone who will come to you and say, I once was, but now I am this. God says, I am, and I will forever and always be. To follow that up, we see in Malachi, verse 3, 6, in fact, we've seen it even on this video that's above us, 
God does not change. He says it himself. I, the Lord, do not change. Now, it's a small sentence, but it has deep impact. Think about this for a minute. If God himself is turning to the people of God and saying, I will or do or will not or will never change, what does that mean? Let's think about this for a minute. Number one, we need to think about the fact that if God does not change, he is who he is. He is infinite, he is holy, he is righteous, he is just, he is good, he is savior, he is sanctifier, he is king, he is Lord, he is worthy, he is the maker of heaven and earth, he is the one of whom we worship. But also, in all of those things with his character not changing, the promises that he gives in scripture do not change. When God says, I will, he will. He says, I will if, then he will if. And what we have to recognize is, is when God says in his word, this is what I do, this is what I will do, or this is what I will do if, we need to realize that God will not change his proclamations because God is immutable. He does not change. He will not make a promise. He will not say something. And then due to popular opinion, when he discovers that it's not what everybody wants, say, you know what? I better change what I said so that I can get reelected. That's not God. And so friends, what I want to encourage you in is to recognize that we worship a God who doesn't change. And there's great comfort in that. And there's great peace in knowing that we've placed our faith and trust in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who will not change. And so as we travel this world, as we look to this world, that I will be honest with you, is in a mass of chaos, struggling to find its identity, wondering what to do, grasping at straws, in a mass of confusion, we can rest in the fact that while the world spins, God holds everything in his hand and he does not change. And friends, there's no greater time for the church to lovingly go out to people and talk to them and show them that we worship a God whom we can hang our hat on. We not only hang our hat on, but we hang our salvation and our sanctification upon this God who does not change. James 1, verses 16 through 18 says this, Do not be, be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Think about this for a minute. What's good in your life? What's perfect in your life? Your relationship with your Savior. That's good. That's perfect. It's wonderful. And it's a gift that's given from above. Everything else is just the cherry on the Sunday. Every other blessing that we have, our health, our homes, our family, our wealth, whatever it might be, those are just added on. And then he says, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change, don't miss this, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. He chose to give us birth through what? The word of truth. That we, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Let's talk about that for a minute. First and foremost, the reason that we worship a God that does not change is because he is immutable. But it's important for us to realize that when we've placed our faith and trust in God, our salvation is secure, our relationship with him is secure. Who he is, what he does, has done, and will do, will not change. It even says, look, God stands, unchanging, immutable. Talks about the fact that he doesn't move like shifting shadows. How many of you are fans of like shadow puppetry? You can see someone kind of make a sign and do things with their hands, and the next thing you know, they alter them, and it's now a rabbit, and the next thing you know, it's an alligator, and then it's an elephant, et cetera, et cetera. And the shadow moves. 
How many of you have ever like, watched a little child run after a shadow? They look and they try to grab it. They try to see where it's at, and they wonder because it shifts, it moves. It's elusive. It's there, but it's not. That's not who God is. God is not a shifting shadow. God is not someone whom you're going to reach for and think that you have, and then all of a sudden the shadow is going to be gone like a mist in the wind. When you reach for God, when you trust for Him, and you cry out to Him for your salvation, trusting indeed that He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth, you receive life. But also, what? He chooses to give us birth through what? How are we born again? Through the word of truth. The Bible. And so we can stand here this morning and say, God does not change. But I hear a whole lot of people saying, the Bible needs to change. But if God doesn't change, and God is immutable, and God says, I don't change, and then he says, I give you life through the word of truth, by the way, which does not change, then we need to be looking here, not there for God. Friends, what I want to tell you is this. I've heard a lot of people say, the Bible just needs to get with the times. And I'm going to tell you that the times need to get with the Bible. Because God does not change. Don't be deceived, dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose, he chose God, infinite, creator, almighty, all-powerful, all-holy God, chose, who does not change. He chose, done, signed, sealed, delivered, to give us birth through the word of truth. The word of truth, and interestingly enough, what? First John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was in God. And who is that? Jesus. That we might be the first fruit of all that He created. Friends, we are the first fruit of His creation. We are His glory. We're not God. And praise God for it. But we are the apple of God's eye. We are his creation. And he loves us and cares for us dearly. The next thing that I think is important for us to see, and I love what Jen Wilkins says, she talks about the fact of the immutable aspect of God or the fact that God does not change. Or you could say that God is the God of infinite sameness. Isn't that interesting? Infinite sameness. Before I read this quote, let's think about this. Hi, my name's Trevor Nunn, and I'm infinitely the same. Boring, right? Get with the times. Blase. Not cool. Do you see how our culture works? Change. Be different. No. I'm God, not God, but, and I'm the God of infinite sameness. So when you wonder, when you doubt, when you worry, when you question, who is God? How am I saved? Am I saved? Does God love me? Will he be with me? Are his promises true? If I've trusted in him and I've placed my faith and trust in him and the world is falling apart around me, can I trust that God is with me and will deliver me and put me in the kingdom of heaven? And you can say with a large amen, absolutely, because God does not change. And friends, what I want to encourage you in is this. God does not change. So when we look at the scriptures and we begin to hear people say, oh, they need to, they need to uppity-up it. They need to do a renovation of the word of God. They need to do an overhaul on what's been said. It's just not with the times. 
Friends, you can look at them and you can say, God does not change, and he has given us his word, and his word does not change. And his word is true, and his word is full of promises. And I worship a God who doesn't change because my entire being, my entire identity, my entire eternality rests on the hope of a God who's made a promise through Jesus Christ that I will have life through him when I place my faith and trust in him. And OPS, by the way, that God doesn't change. That's why this is so important. Jen Wilkins says this. She says, The scriptures speak of a God who does not change. Like the tallest mountain peak on the horizon, from generation to generation, God stands unchanging, immutable, anchoring the landscape of human existence as all else around him ebbs and flows, blossoms and withers, waxes and wanes. The rock of our salvation endures. He, God, is immutable, not just unchanging, but incapable of change of any kind. I love what she says there. He's not just unchanging. It's not like he's sitting there going, oh, okay, I'm just going to do everything I can to not change. Oh, it's so hard. The world is doing this, and I've got to figure it out, and I don't know if I'm relevant or not. I don't know if they care about this or whatever. That's not God. God's looking at it, and he's saying, I can't change. I don't need to, because I'm God. I cannot nor will not change. It's not even a thought in him, because he's the God of infinite sameness. And friends, that should draw us to a sense of awe and worship and reverence when we place our faith and trust in a God, knowing that he does not change. And the reason for that is when we recognize that God does not change, Therefore, we can rely, we can rely on the unchanging truth of Scripture. And that's huge. Because I hear so many people saying, we need to change the Scriptures. We need to change God's Word. Does it really say that in there? Is that really true? It just seems so antiquated. It seems so old. It seems so blasé. And friends, what I want to tell you is this. God doesn't need to change. You do. I do. Because that's the whole part of our sanctification. We're going to talk about that in a minute. God does not exist to change to our desires. God created us to be made in his image and we are fallen individuals apart from God in desperate need of him for life, eternal life. And when we place our faith and trust in God, we have life and praise God for it. But afterwards, God does not say, oh, by the way, let me change to your whims and your desires. God says, I've given you life. You are my son and you are my daughter, wholly loved, wholly mine. You have an eternal inheritance. You are blessed and you are in his kingdom. And this is what I ask of you. And the act of worship, the act of sanctification, of being set apart for God, is for us to change to him and his word, not to tell him to change his word to us. That's heresy. And we rely on him for the truths of scripture. I want to read out of Psalm 50. If you turn in your Bibles with uh, me, that would be wonderful. Uh, it'll be up on the screen in a minute. But I just want to read a couple of verses that bring comfort to the fact that God is a God who will and cannot and is in incapable of change. At verse 30 it says, As for God, His way is perfect. Whatever way God chooses, it's perfect. It's true. 
true, it's right, it's good, it's holy, it's just, it's honoring, it's empowered. It is His way. And it's perfect. And P.S., by the way, the word of the Lord is what? You guys are awake? Come on. Flawless. Perfect. Inerrant. Yeah, inerrant. Friends, lovingly, right now, the church in humility and in grace is being attacked because what's being said is, is that the church and what it proclaims in the scriptures isn't with the times. We need to get with the times. We need to change. We need to overhaul. But if God does not change because he's incapable of it and the ways of God are perfect and the word of the Lord is flawless, then again, lovingly, I say, who needs to change? We do. He is a shield. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. It's not, God, come to my way, come to my whims, come to my desires, be the God who I want and how I want. No, it's, God, I desperately need you for my life, my eternal life, and thank you for it. And God, as the world around me changes, as the world around me says, this is what you need to do to be happy. This is what you need to do for joy in your life. This is what you need to do to have it all together. This is who you need to be. You can look at it and you can say, that is a bunch of garbage. To be whole, to be full, to be real, to be good in God, take refuge in Him because He does not change. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It's interesting, I want to let you know that throughout the Psalms, the rock, speaking of God, is used over 20 times. And it's to speak to the firmness of who God is. The unchanging aspect of God. How many of you have ever been and looked at like a, a huge, massive amount of rock, granite, or whatever it might be? And you just look at that and you're like, yeah, that thing is not going to change. That's what's being said here, poetically, but truthfully, about God. God is the rock. In fact, even we see in the word that he's spoken of about the fact that sometimes we place what? Our house or build our house on shifting sand? And the word says, no, build your house on what? The rock. What's the rock? It's not granite. It's Jesus who does not change. Friends, you want a firm foundation? Lovingly? You want a firm foundation to draw you through the ebbs and flows, the twists and turns of this life. I implore you, humbly, but with desperation, place your faith on the rock who is our Savior Jesus Christ who does not change. He continues on, and it says this, It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. Does anybody need strength today? Can, can, I, can, we, can we participate? Does anybody need strength today? Yeah, we're all good, right? Because if, if we are, uh, loving, I'll just, I'll turn off the lights, we'll go home. Anybody need strength today? I think we all do, don't we? Well, where do we want to get our strength from? I want to go to a place, to an individual, for lack of a better word, that I know when I draw my strength from him, that I can continually go back to draw my strength from him because he will not change. He will not close. He will not shift. He will not change what he says. And that every time that I need strength in this changing world, I can go back to the God who does not change. And that brings me strength. And his way is perfect. Friends, as I look back on my life, as I look back on what God has done, I could not have even imagined when I was a little kid that I would be in the middle of Iowa 
as a pastor preaching in Panora. But his way is perfect. And friends, as I look around and I see things happening, as I look at our world and I see all the changes that are coming at us fast and furious, where I draw my strength from, where I draw my rest from is that I worship a God who does not change. What he says he will do, what he's done, he has done. And what he will do, he will do. And I can rest in that promise because God does not change and his word does not change. And his word says, this is who I am. And then it continues on, and it says, He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. How many of you are looking around, and, and lovingly I'm going to say, I don't know that I would take a picture of a deer in, in Penora, Iowa right now. Sometimes I feel that they're a little bit more of a nuisance than an actual glorious deer standing on a rock in a mountain. But let's just picture the grace of a deer bounding and leaping through the strength of God. That's the imagery that's being painted for us realistically but poetically by the psalmist as he writes, God is a rock who doesn't change. He is like a mountain that does not shift. He is etched in stone. And when you trust in him, he strengthens you and he makes you like a deer ready for the day to bound through life Trusting him as the world around you, what? Waxes and wanes, twists and turns, rises and falls. The one who does not is God. And so friends, with that, one of the things that I want to say is, is we do rely on the unchanging truth of Scripture. But I think this is also important I pray that this might bless us as well. Again, Charles Hedden Spurgeon in the Treasury of David says this. He's speaking essentially about Psalm 100 verse 3. But I think it's so important for the aspect of us understanding the immutability of God. And he says this, a changeable God, think about this for a minute. A changeable God would be terror for the righteous. I'm going to just stop there. A changeable God would be terror for the righteous. It would be awful for us if we were trusting in Jesus, knowing that God could change. They would have no sure anchorage. Imagine being out on Lake Panorama right now and having no way to anchor yourself and hold on when the storm comes. But God does not change. And amid the changing world, they would be driven to and fro in perpetual fear or shipwreck. Friends, one of the things that I want to tell you about this is this. The church, as good as programs are, as a fan of programs that I am, as a fan of fancy worship and all this kind of thing, we don't need more of that. We need more of the Bible, period. Because God doesn't change. You want to see revival. You want to see people coming to Christ. Then church, stand firm on the word of God. And don't change to try to be relevant. You can change how you present it to be relevant. But you don't change the word so that it might be relevant to today. Our heart leaps for joy as we bow before one who has never, think about this for a minute, he has never broken his word. Ever. Friends, I do the best that I can. I try to be an honorable person, but I'm going to be the first to admit you that I've broken my word. Why? Because I'm fallible. because I'm a sinner in need of a savior. But I can go to God and I know he has not broken his word. He won't ever break his word or changed his purpose. 
I once was into salvation, everybody. I once was into Jesus. I once had a son. But popular opinion today just says that it's not that cool. So I've decided to close up shop, get rid of my son, and you know what? I'm going fishing for the rest of my life. Good luck. That's not God. He will not change. His promises will not fall. And lovingly, I'm telling you, church, we need in humility, but with bold proclamation, to say, this is who God is. And why is this important? Because I think it's important for us to see that it's extremely comforting for the insurance of our salvation. I praise God for the fact that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and that by His grace and His grace alone, I've trusted in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, realizing that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior and that when I've done that and I've made Him Lord of my life, I am now part of the family of God. I am a son or a daughter of the living King and my eternal inheritance is with God in His kingdom. Done. And that brings great comfort to me because in those moments where I am unholy, and yes, let's be real, we all are, I know that God still loves me because his love for me in his word says it does not change. And so friends, I'm not saying that we all go out and have a sin fest. I'm not saying that we use this to pervert the grace of God. But what I want to tell you is this, is that when you go through your life and you think that you've done something that God cannot forgive, His love for you doesn't change. The only unforgivable sin is not believing in Him. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Everything else in your life, no matter how bad, how hard, how desperate, how much you feel unloved, God says, I love you, my son or my daughter, because you are mine. Period. But with that, friends, this is convicting. It's assuring for our salvation. It's convicting for the necessity of our sanctification. I said earlier, God does not exist for us to say, God, change to me. God exists to show us how desperately in need of a change we are to him. And by his grace, he says, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to be perfect. Come as you are. Come as a broken individual, a sinner in need of a savior, and receive my grace. Be my son or daughter, wholly loved, wholly desired. But as you know me, as you see my love, that love compels us, draws us toward God to be sanctified, set apart for him. The desires of the old world the sinful way becomes less in our hearts and God becomes more. Do we get perfect? No. We're not perfect until we go to be with God. But friends, if you've trusted in Jesus, if you've placed your faith and trust in Christ, and you're the same person that you were 10 years ago that you are today, I'm not God. I will not be the one to proclaim if you're saved or not. But if you're no different, I lovingly turn to you and say, check and see if you are worshiping the God who saves. Because you should change. Because you are a new creation in Him. Friends, the final thing that I want to leave you is, with is this. Is it's Jen Wilkins' quote, and it's backing the idea of the immutability of God. God doesn't change, and his word doesn't change. And I cry out to this world. This is so important. It says, because he does not change, God, 
right? We can rely on the unchanging truth of Scripture. Praise God for it. Everybody's all excited about that, right? Can I get an amen there? Okay, let's read the next part. What he pronounces as sin will always be sin. So we're all excited about the fact that God doesn't change. Amen. But we want to make the word relevant to today because what he's pronounced as sin in the past isn't sin today. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. I feel kind of like Jonathan Edwards right now. Sorry. <laughs> Friends, I, I'm, not, I'm not, please hear me, I'm not yelling at you. I'm crying out to the church. I'm crying out in desperation because the church right now is looking around and they're confused and they're saying, well, maybe we need to get with the times. Maybe we need to change. Maybe we need to throw this out. Maybe this isn't relevant. Maybe there's new discovery. And what we find is if we worship a God who does not change and his word doesn't change, then what he pronounces as sin will always be sin. You know, P.S., by the way, before we think we're all righteous, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He says that in his word, and his word is real. So before we think we're better than the sinner next to us, because they struggle with a sin that we don't, may we remind ourselves that if God is God and he does not change and his word does not change, he's also said, all false, all short. All have sinned of the glory of God. But we worship a God who does not change. But here's the other part, and this is the rejoicing part. What he pronounces is good will always be good. Every good gift is perfect from above. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. That's good. It doesn't change. It doesn't need to become relevant. This is what I've told you, friends, daughters, sons, who are mine. All that he has promised, all that he has promised, not will come to pass. Must. Must. It has to. Because God says it, he doesn't change, and his word doesn't change. It has to come. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the unfailing, unfailing, unchanging love of this great God. The rock of our salvation upon which the house of our faith is built. Friends, I, I, Jen Wilkin has just a beautiful mind to explain who God is. Unbelievable how God is speaking through her. She's crying out and saying, God doesn't change. One of the things I want to say is this. I get that the world changes. We've talked about this. But I also want to tell you, if you don't remember anything else from this message, please just hear me on this. Knowing that God does not change, okay? Knowing that he doesn't change, we can rely on the truth of Scripture. We can rely on the truth of Scripture for the assurance of our salvation, but also the necessity of our sanctification, we are called to change toward God, not away from him. And we are also not called to have God change to us. God can't, and he won't, because that's not God. Let's take a minute and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, uh,
I recognize and realize that this is a great attribute of you, the fact that you are immutable, that you are an unchanging God. And Father, may that bring peace and rest to our hearts and to our lives. May that bring joy to our hearts, knowing that when we've trusted in you for our salvation, we indeed are saved. That we need not wonder, is there another God out there? Is there another word or another Bible or another truth or something that we're missing that we don't have No, we can trust in what we have 100% because God doesn't change and what he said in his word doesn't change. But Lord, also, may that challenge us this morning. May that convict us because if that's true, it also means that God's word is not irrelevant. It doesn't mean that the Bible needs to get with the times. Perhaps, Lord, we need to look deep in our hearts and realize that the times need to get with the Bible. Father, thank you for you. Thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. Thank you for the opportunity to come and worship you. And Lord, as we move to this time of communion, remind us of who you are and what you've done. And as we reflect on the fact that you gave us your son to die on a cross, you gave his body and his blood so that we might have eternal life. May we realize and rejoice in the fact that what we're doing here is worshiping an unchanging God whose promises are true yesterday, today, and forever. Father, we thank you, we love you, we pray these things in your name, dear Jesus, and we ask it by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. I'd like to 